Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry from Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris. I'm blessed to serve as pastor of administration and outreach at Delaware Bible Church, and I'm blessed to be your regular podcast host. And if you've been following along with the last several podcasts we've done as a church, you will have noticed that we have focused on the Building for Future Generations capital campaign that our church is currently working through in a Sunday morning sermon series, throughout our life group campaign, and as well throughout a 40-day prayer challenge that we have issued to the congregation. And as we have worked through this campaign, as we have uh, been sharing through sermons, through life group discussions, and throughout all the various ways that we've been doing it, we've compiled a list of questions that folks have asked. And as I have talked to life group leaders, as I've talked to elders within the church, as I've talked to the pastoral staff or other staff members, I've compiled a list of what I would say are the 15 most frequently asked questions or general questions that I think are going to be helpful for those who are listening to think through. And so our focus for today's podcast is going to be on answering those questions. I'm not going to spend a lot of time focusing on the nuts and bolts of the campaign, as we've done that in a previous podcast episode with Pastor Scott. I'm not going to spend a lot of time focusing on the differences between the school campaign and the church campaign, or uh, as well the dynamics between Delaware Bible Church and Delaware Christian School, because again, we've done those in previous podcasts. But I'm going to focus our time really specifically today on answering these 15 questions. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, to check out those other podcasts. I think even if you know quite a bit about the project going in, it'll be helpful to you, it'll be encouraging, and you will see really what the leadership's thinking through this process. So I hope that you haven't, if you haven't, that you will check those out. But I know as well that as we answer 15 questions about the capital campaign, that it might spur 15 more questions within your mind. And if that's the case, I hope that you will contact me, one of the elders at the church, or someone in leadership that you know that might be able to answer them, that you will make sure that you get your questions answered, and as well that as you do that, you can know that you can always feel free to reach out to me, either by contacting the church office or by emailing me at bharris at delawarebible.org. That's bharris at delawarebible.org. All right, let's jump in, and we will start with question number one. Question number one is, if every family at DBC gave an equal amount, what would be the amount that is needed per each family for the campaign? And this is something similar that we've done previously through Sacrifice Sunday offerings. We've taken the number of folks within the church directory, we've divided that number of families up, and then we've said if everyone gives this much amount, we would be able to reach our goal. Now, our goal for the church side is $2 million for this capital campaign project. The same goal as that on the school side. So if we were to take that $2 million number, if we were to divide it by the number of families in the directory currently, and that number can change as the directory is regularly added and subtracted from, then that number would be between eleven dollars and $12,000 over three years per family. Now, that number, we understand, is not realistic because some families are not going to be able to give near that much. 
others are going to be able to give within the six figures for this project. And so we aren't asking folks to consider a specific amount in and of themselves. We are asking people to prayerfully consider what they can sacrificially give above and beyond their normal offering for this project. And we truly believe that if we do that, that if we gather together as a church and we sacrificially give towards this project, that the Lord will be honored in it and that he will provide for the need. Now with that, again, I want to stress the point that this offering, that, or I'm sorry, that this project that we're doing is one that we intend to be above and beyond a person's normal offering. Those regular expenses that we have for our ministry are still going to be there regardless of what happens with this project. So with that, although we want folks to really contribute towards this and get behind this, we do not want you to do so at the expense of your regular offering. This is something that's regularly seen through campaigns. I can tell you, as we did the auditorium remodel project, that we saw that in some ways as uh, some money that was normally given, we think, towards general fund was down that year. But I would encourage you to consider above and beyond your normal offering what you can give towards that. And if that's less, but then your normal offering is able to be given towards it, we understand that, and that's a wonderful thing. Second question, when do I start giving towards the project? And really the answer is that you can start giving towards the capital campaign when you want to give towards the campaign. We are already receiving donations for this campaign. At the recording of this podcast, I can share with you that I know on the school end, Jelaine shared with me today, our business manager, that over $300,000 had been committed and around $100,000 have been put in the bank already for the campaign on the school side of the equation. But officially, we're going to say that folks can start giving to the capital campaign on November the 21st, 2021. Now, that being said, if you received a commitment card, and if you haven't, contact the church office and we'll get you one. If you received a commitment card, you will see that it gives all kinds of different options for how you can give. You can give annually, you can give monthly, you can give weekly, however you want to give towards it. But if it works better for tax purposes, you can start giving at the time beginning January 2022. Now, however you want to work that out with your taxes and how that works, that's fine. But the goal is for you to fulfill the commitment either all at once or gradually over the next three years from the time that you begin giving. So we're assuming with that that your contributions would begin no later than January of next year. But that being said, we understand that donations are going to trickle in. Some are going to come all at once. Some are going to come monthly, uh, bi-weekly, yearly, however it is. You can start giving towards the project as the Lord leads you to do so. Question number three. Given the overall need and vision, what will be done if the commitments for the campaign fall short? And as I answer this question and a few others, I do want to say that with some of these questions, I'm not going to be able to give you a fully accurate view of things yet. And the reason for that is this, because the elders have not met and went through all of the scenarios about, depending on what's given, we're going to do this, that, or the other. We believe that at this point, that would be unwise to do, 
and it's best for us to simply share the need with the congregation, see how they will uh, respond to this need and how the Lord will provide for our needs, and then from there, we'll make a plan. But I don't think it would be the wisest use of our time to say, well, if we got this much here, then we'll do this. If we got this much here, we'll do this, because really we don't know yet, and there are so many scenarios that can come out of that. But that being said, let's say that the commitment falls short. Let's say that we are seeking to raise $2 million, and we end up with $1 million. Well, the elders regularly meet. We meet each month, and if we need to, we'll have a special meeting. But they're going to meet and determine next steps for this campaign and for what we're going to do, likely in January or shortly thereafter. Now, there's a timeline with this, because this upcoming Sunday, November the 14th, we are asking for commitment cards to be turned in. But as well, there's other things that are going on in the campaign. I can tell you from personal experience, I know with our Sacrifice Sunday offerings previously, we've called for one date that the majority of those would be given, and we do that. But they continue to trickle in throughout the rest of the year, and I would assume that's going to happen for this project. As well, you have the school campaign that's going on, with all the money going towards the same needs, but it being done in a different format, in a different way, and in a different timeline. And so some of theirs will be coming in later in the year. And so that being said, we're going to probably be looking in January or shortly thereafter and coming up with a plan and with next steps for the project. From there, it will be determined what the plan will be. It could be, uh, it could be taking certain things away from the project. It could be going with a different building plan. Or it could be a consideration of debt, which we will talk about here in a little bit with another question. And we've received several, we've, re, we've received many questions on that of debt. But that being said, we don't have an exact plan for that yet as we aren't sure what's going to be given. Question number four dovetails along with that as it says, how will an actual disparity in the 50-50 funding commitment between Delaware Bible Church and Delaware Christian School be viewed and handled? And I would respond to that this way, that we are running two separate campaigns for the same project. Ultimately, we are trying to raise the money together, and we're using both pools of individuals church families, school families, and those who are associated with those on both sides. So, for example, recently there was Grandparents' Day at Delaware Christian School, and Jane Miner, our head of school, shared the need with grandparents at Delaware Christian School. And I can tell you, I don't know who's given what or anything like that, but as I was talking to Jelaine today, she had shared with me that some grandparents had given money towards that. And I know as well that there are other church folks who have already contributed towards the needs there. So that being said, we're not looking to make it a perfect 50-50 split. We're simply looking for both sides with the pools of individuals that we have to be able to raise money for this project. And so that being said, hey, if the school gives 60% and the church gives 40%, praise the Lord, we've funded the project. Similarly, vice versa. We aren't going to look at it and say, well, they raised a little bit more, so we have to raise this and they get to keep the rest of their money. It's all going towards the same goal, towards the same need there. Now, the next question, question number five, is one that is um, 
one that I think is a very understandable technical question about the campaign, and that is this, the courtyard enclosure. We've called that space the atrium that has been mentioned in the podcast. Will that space be used for school lunches, and why not enclose the entire courtyard? And so I'm going to start with the second part of that question, which is our courtyard space is viewed by our leadership as the number one least used space that we could get the most bang for our buck out of based on its location and its size. And with that, the issue that we face within the courtyard is that there are several flat roofs and there are angled roofs that you have to be able to have drainage when it rains for some of these spaces. And so that being said, we cannot unfortunately uh, take the entire courtyard space and put a roof over it. I wish we could. I think we all wish that because of those drainage issues. There's issues with the window air conditioning units there, but that'll be taken care of with the HVAC unit that would go in there. And there are several things there that we have to figure out and do. But basically with that, we have to leave about a third of that space still as a grassy courtyard area. And the reason for that is to, for drainage to be there. If the engineers were ever to find a way where we could completely cover that space, I can tell you within about two seconds, the leadership would agree to it, assuming we could financially afford to do it. But that is simply an issue of drainage there. Now, for the first question, that is an opportunity for school lunches within that area. And as well, with that, depending on the timeline of things, uh, it has been shared that that could be a space that a couple classrooms, as we have the modular buildings that are being used for classrooms right now, as those are moved out, that they could be meeting out there, that there are many different options for what we can use for this space. There are, if you think through all the different ministry opportunities we can have there, between, let's say, a Sunday school class, a ladies' Bible study meeting there on a Wednesday evening, or actually, I'm sorry, youth group would be meeting there, but on a Saturday morning for a ladies' Bible study. Uh, if you were to think through all the different ways that both the church and school could utilize that space, you could very quickly come with an entire page of different opportunities there. That being said, when it comes to decide the, what those things are going to be, there are going to be certain ones that are at the top of the list. For example, youth group is going to be at the top of the list because they need a nice mid-sized space that is where they aren't being bothered all the time on Wednesdays. There are going to be areas of opportunities where it's going to be flexible. You can have a funeral dinner in there that also overflows to the commons. You can have a fellowship space in there on Sunday mornings. You can have overflow space there on Sunday morning for church, etc., etc. There are real options there for that space. And as well, during the week, that could be a great spot for us to, as we have the tables in there, where we would be able to fill that space with students that can eat lunch there. And that's likely something that will happen. But again, with that, we haven't went through all of those different things yet because it just hasn't been time to. But I can tell you that there's plans, yes, for that to be able to be used for lunch and for those type of things during the week, as it can already get tight in there. And as well, it's tighter as well because we have classes that are also meeting in the commons and they're using up that space. Albany Witt's temporary wall class is being used there. So yes, we would likely use it for that. But again, I can't share all the different ways yet because 
while many of those have been talked about, it hasn't been hashed out of this is actually what the space is going to be used for in the order that it's going to be used. But I can tell you right now, it's going to be used six days a week from the get-go. I can almost promise you that. Question number six, what will happen with Sacrifice Sunday this year? Sacrifice Sunday, if you don't know, is normally what we have done for our uh, our time where we have asked for folks above and beyond their regular offering to give towards specific projects at the end of the year. And there will be no Sacrifice Sunday this year, and we will continue to evaluate that based on how fundraising efforts go towards the campaign. We are putting all of our resources this year towards giving towards the capital campaign. Any projects that we've done previously that we would like to fund this year uh, through Sacrifice Sunday are going to be done so through excess general fund money that is approved by the elders. So there are no plans for any of these other things at this point. Question number seven was asked by Pastor Scott, or asked to Pastor Scott, and you can see his response as well to this in the weekly update email that was recently sent out. And the question is asked, can I add Delaware Bible Church to my estate planning? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. You can designate a nonprofit organization like DBC into your will. Now, we advise you to check with your tax advisor and to talk to your family before making any such commitments. But if you would like to do that, we do accept donations such as that. And let's say that you give an estate towards this, that then we could sell that and use the proceeds toward the campaign. Similarly, as stocks are given, they are sold the day of that we receive them, or as soon after as Jelaine or uh, the... Uh, business office can get to it, and then we take that money and we contribute it directly towards the campaign. Question number eight. If the proposal had to be modified due to lack of funding or other reasons, would those who have contributed be given the option of a refund of their contributions? If so, how would this be done? So let's say, taking the scenario that I used early, let's say $1 million is given when we need two, and the elders go back and they cut certain things out of the project, maybe certain things that you were really excited to give towards. Now, if that happens, you can receive a refund or you can change the amount that you're giving for the project. In order to do that, you would need to contact the business office and you would need to let them know that you would like to change that commitment. Now with that, please remember that commitments towards the project are at will. They are not legally binding. We won't go after you if you make a certain commitment and you aren't able to pay that amount. But with that, please remember that the elders will be planning based on what commitments come in for this. So there is a step of faith that we are taking with this and that we are trusting that those who are making these commitments are led by God to do so and they will fulfill their commitments. Question number nine, will the present kitchen be expanded in the work that we're doing? And this is a question that regularly comes up. I would say pretty much every time we are doing a building project, we get asked a question about the kitchen. And for our ministry, we do have a question or a kitchen that I would say is inadequately sized for what we're regularly trying to do. 
but within the scope of this current project, the kitchen is not going to be expanded. Presently, for regular school lunch, as we have regular school lunches, and that kitchen is used five days a week for that, there are only two to three workers at most in that kitchen. Space is less of an issue for regular school lunches, although I know that if I talk to the volunteers in there, they will say it's still tight. But it is more of an issue for church events. It's an issue for church funerals, for VBS, for school events such as feast day or other things at at DCS. So there are regular times where there are more people in there and it's an issue, but unfortunately we aren't able to solve this problem currently with this expansion plan. We will continue to look at further ways that we can expand and enhance this space. And we've talked about, could we simply move some things around in the space to make it feel bigger? And we can talk to those who are serving lunch out of there regularly to see about that. But at this time, it is not included within the project. And unfortunately, it's just one of those things where you can only include so many things in a project. And so while we want to do that in the future, it is not currently part of this plan. Question number 10. When was the cost estimate given? How long is that estimate guaranteed? And how soon or what criteria will be used to determine when we begin construction? This is a great question, and it's also a multi-layered one, so let me work through that. And with that as well, please remember that some of these things we just don't have a full answer for yet, as we're still working through the process and seeing what comes in for the project. But when it comes to the first part, when was the cost estimate given? Over the last year, two companies have been consulted with to bid on the project. Now, they have given their different designs, their different bids for that. Uh, An amount has been factored in on that bid for what they expect for inflation, what they expect for a contingency for the project, and things such as that. And the design that the school board and elder board voted to go with at recent meetings include a formal bid sheet from the company that was picked for that. Now, no contract has been signed with that company at this point. And these were the main estimates given by the company for the project with contingencies in place. Now, as we move forward, more finalized numbers will be given as we move forward and finalize all of the designs and work for the project. So once we get to the next step and we officially hire a contractor for this, then they're going to sharpen their pencils and we're going to go through all the different things that are included with that. Maybe we add some more storage cabinets. Maybe we take some things away. Maybe we do something with desks that he has included. Maybe there's contingencies in place that don't need to be there. That's going to be a multi-step process that's going to literally take years to go through. Now, that being said, we do not have a formal date yet for the Elder Board to determine when we will start the project. The Elder Board will continue to meet monthly, and as we do so, we continue to discuss the progress of the campaign and how much money has come in for it. It's likely that around the beginning of the year that the Elders will determine whether or not to move forward into the near future with the project, or whether to continue to focus on collecting money at the present time. Now, the elders will need to determine a set amount of money that needs to be in hand before we begin the project, and we will continue to inform the congregation as we go with this. So unfortunately, I can't give a, a real timeline at this point because we don't have one. But you can know that our elders are meeting regularly, 
that we are talking through these things. I can tell you as a staff pastor, that as Pastor Scott, Pastor Aaron, and I meet every week, there's some kind of question or update or something that's given on the campaign. Jelaine is regularly giving us updates in the business office about this. These are real things that are being regularly discussed and will be continued to be discussed both internally and with you all as time goes on. Question 11 is one uh, that I would say that I've either heard the most or that folks have shared a lot of their thoughts or assumptions on regarding. And that is number 11, is the commitment to build debt-free. And I want to be careful how I answer this because I think with this question that there have been uh, some preconceived notions. Because with this, historically, DBC has very much been a debt-averse church, and praise the Lord for that. But I will say with that, that DBC has at times taken on debt. There have been times where debt has been taken on through a borrower, and there has been times where DBC has borrowed from itself, from themselves, to complete a project. Debt has happened at DBC before. But we've been a very debt-averse church, and we praise the Lord for that because it's opened up the door for so many other ministry opportunities. And as well, we can all tell horror stories of churches who have gotten so far in debt and it's caused major problems. But at this point, the elders have not made a determination as to whether or not they would submit a proposal to the congregation asking them to vote on taking debt or not. I can tell you that there has been no major conversations on debt regarding the elder board, and I can tell you that at this time, no companies have been contacted as borrowers for the project. Now, that being said, as we determine next steps, as we see what comes in, that we will look at all of our options with that. But that being said, any debt incurred is going to be over 5% of the church annual operating budget. And our church constitution says that if there is over 5% of our annual operating budget, which is around $700,000 a year, that if we were to go into debt above that, then the congregation would need to vote to approve with a majority voting in favor of debt. So here's the reality. If DBC were to go into debt that it would do so based on not by the elders voting on it themselves, but based on the majority of the congregation voting to approve the debt. That being said, if that happens, there will be informational meetings, there will be a church congregational vote. You will clearly know what's going on and what the plan would be with the debt. And I can tell you that Pastor Scott has shared, I agree with him, as well as uh, a very financially conservative elder board, and I would say that that's also reflected on the finance committee, that if DBC goes into debt, that there would be a clear win for the debt, that the congregation would know what the plan is for it, and that we simply would not make a decision that throws us majorly in debt and could financially cripple us majorly into the future. That is not our plan. That is not what we plan on doing. But at this point, no decision has been made on debt. Question number 12. Is asking for a three-year commitment, presuming on the future, 
which is cautioned against in Scripture? And I had to think about this question for a little bit as it was asked, because as I think about planning within the Bible, we see at times that there is benefits of planning and being wise stewards of what God has gifted us with. We see examples such as in 1 Corinthians 14.40, where it says that all things should be done decently and in order. We see in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, where it says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And of course, it's good for us to do this before we do the project. But as well, we see ultimately that God is the one that is in control of all. That we can plan, but ultimately God is the one that is overall. That God owns all, and we are simply stewards, as we've been learning through our Sunday morning sermon series. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 say, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. We see from the Bible that there is planning, but ultimately we must remember and know that God is the one who is in control. So as you think about what you can give towards this project, if the Lord lays it on your heart to give, I would caution you to do so, yes, realistically, yes, in an act of faith, yes, trusting that God will provide for the needs there, but as well, in a sense of submission, knowing that God is the one who owns all things, and that ultimately, we should be wise in what we're doing here, we should be wise stewards, but we should recognize that ultimately for us to be able to give God back this gift that is his, that we need to do so in submission and obedience to him. Alongside that, there is no legally binding commitment regarding your gift. Giving is done as as a personal, at-will commitment. And if the person that makes a commitment is unable to give what they previously committed to, no action is going to take be taken against them. We're not going to come after you for the commitment if you cannot make it. But that being said, we encourage all who are giving to prayerfully and wisely consider what is a sacrificial but realistic amount that they can give and not to stretch themselves so far that it would be considered an unwise risk. So do so wisely. Question number 13. Will there be special envelopes to distinguish capital campaign giving from regular giving? Or is it just a matter of making a notation line in the memo line of checks? This is a great question that I never thought really about before being asked it. And at this point, we haven't talked about special giving envelopes for donations, but we will look into that. For right now, Designate where your gift is supposed to go on your check or envelope by writing capital campaign on it if it's for the capital campaign. Or otherwise, if it's just meant to go to the general fund, you don't need to mark anything. Now, if we make a change, we will let everyone know prior to doing so. But again, we encourage people to give your regular tithes and offerings just simply to the general fund. 
That money that you give towards that is used for our facility. It's used towards missions. It's used to pay the salaries of our staff. It's used for ministry. It's used for all the different things that we do. And as well, if there's a major excess in that, we can take some of that money. The elders can vote to approve towards transferring that money towards the campaign. So there's always options for us there. So please remember that as well. Question number 14, just two left. Will there be special, or I'm sorry, I just did that one. Will, when will decisions be made about the future of the campaign? My answer to that is likely next year. The elders will have a much better idea of the commitments that come in over the next several weeks, but we are sure that many will trickle in until the end of this year and even going into next year in 2022. Now couple this with the school campaign ending near the end of the year, and it's likely that in January or February that you as the church will know more after the elders meet and talk through these things. The last question is one of my favorite ones, and it's one that I'm very glad to be ending on as we work through this, and that is, how can I pray for the campaign? Well, as we shared the 40-day prayer calendar, I would encourage you to continue to look at that 40-day prayer calendar and make it a commitment to pray every day for the campaign. Additionally, please prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you and your family to commit to giving above and beyond your normal offering for the campaign. But as well, pray that God would reveal the same to others. If we are going to complete this goal, yes, it's going to be done by some big gifts by a few individuals. But as the man who has shared with us many of the concepts behind this campaign has shared with us, most of these campaigns are done with a lot of little gifts. A $2,000 gift here, a $5,000 or $10,000 gift here, a $500 gift given quarterly. And those regular small gifts make up so much of the larger chunk here. So pray that God would continue to reveal to other people what they should give towards the need. But as well, pray for wisdom for the elders and leadership as they determine next steps after commitments are made. There is never a group that's fully on the same page in 100% agreement during this. And I know that it's not going to be. And there's going to be hard conversations that the elders, that school board, that the groups are going to have to go through towards this. And I pray that you would just ask the Lord that we would be wise in doing this as leadership, that there would be unity, and that the church would be bought in with that, and that God would use this time in a mighty way, as Pastor Scott recently shared in a sermon, to stretch and grow our body. And just praise the Lord as well for the opportunity that we have. What a joy it is to be able to say that we have a church and school that are growing, that the Lord is working in and through, and that we are able to financially be able to support these ministries in a way that we see growth. And pray that the Lord would work through that. So as we look at this campaign, these were 15 questions that were asked. And again, if you have other questions that you have, I would encourage you to talk to a church elder, to a person on our leadership team on staff, to contact me, Pastor Brad, by calling the church office or at my email, bharris at delawarebible.org, and to make sure that you get those questions asked, but as well be prayerfully considering what you can give towards these needs that we are presenting. You can do so by filling out a commitment card. 
you can do so by going to DelawareBible.org. You can just give a one-time gift by grabbing a giving envelope or marking on your check, Capital Campaign, and we will take that and put it in there. But make sure that however you're giving towards this, that it's clearly marked that it's for the campaign. Now this week we are releasing two podcasts about the Capital Campaign. This 15-question, Frequently Asked Question podcast, but as well, later this week... Bob Johnson, our Deacon of Finance, who's also a financial advisor, and Jelaine Van Gordon, our business manager at the church, are going to join me. And we're going to talk specifically about giving towards the campaign. And Bob is going to share some alternate ways, some creative ones that you may not have thought about on how folks can contribute towards the needs here. So I hope that you'll tune in for that. We will not have a podcast the following week. But then as we go into the Thanksgiving season, we will have a leadership testimony as well to share with you. So again, we thank you for joining us. What a blessing it is to be able to continue to share with you each week. We thank you for listening in. Make sure you get those questions to us if you have them. We hope that you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to sharing with you again later this week. Hope it's a great one for you.